Hi, Black Hollywood Live fans. Right now, we're talking breaking news. A special prosecutor is assigned to investigate Trump and Russia. We'll cover Cosby speaking out and more today on Justice is Served. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Live. Justice is Served. An exciting day, as always, in the justice field. I was going to say in the justice <laughs> department, but I have not had the utmost faith in our justice department. So I was I was about to, in fact, call it the obstruction of justice department. But long story short, welcome to Justice is Served, where a panel of lawyers talk about the latest in legal news. Uh, thank you for joining me. My name is Chelsea Galicia. I am joined by fellow attorneys, Dominique Price and Yemi Abayami. Hello, ladies. Hello. It's hey, good to be back. Great. I know. We missed you for the last two weeks. Many, yeah. many weeks. It's, yeah. been, it's been a crazy travel month for me. I see. We're happy you're back. And then, but we have lost Shaka for the week, which is a bit of a bummer because the very last story that we're covering, um, uh, a very interesting defense that a man is putting on for a murder trial. I wanted to know... Uh, what a man thought of that. Uh, we will get to that um, soon enough. Be that. <laughs> Dominique's looking at me like, hmm. Uh, so let's first talk this breaking news about the special prosecutors. Um, this just came down 6 p.m. East Coast time, so literally two hours ago. Breaking news. The, the backstory, and we're on it. right? We are. <laughs> we're on it. Reading it as we're going on. Uh, okay, so the backstory clearly shit has hit the fan in the in the shit White House. Can, we should rephrase that and say shit continues to hit the fan in the White House. Yeah, uh, things really got kicked into overdrive last week mm-hmm. when Trump fired the FBI director James Comey. The Democrats and increasingly. A number of Republicans were asking for a special prosecutor to be assigned to investigate. Mm -hmm. And a whole lot of political stuff has happened within the last week, 10 days since that firing occurred. And now, just moments ago, the acting attorney general, Rob Rosenstein, uh, named a special prosecutor or special counsel, as as he's calling him. The special counsel is the former FBI director, Uh, Mueller is his last name. He was the FBI director before Mm -hmm. Comey, and he served a pretty long time. He was uh, appointed by George W. Mm -hmm. Bush, served through... Senior. Yes. Second. No, second. Uh, Served through Clinton, Mm -hmm. and then actually Obama asked him to stay on Mm -hmm. for an extra two years. Mm -hmm. So he's widely respected both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. They... People say he's a man of integrity. People also say he was a a good friend of James Comey, Mm. which is kind of interesting. And he is now charged with looking into the Trump-Russia connection. Yes. Trump released a statement uh, that was very clearly not written by him that says that the investigation is going to prove what we already know, which is that there is no tie between him and his campaign and any foreign entity is the phrase that he used, um, but that he looks forward to putting this sort of behind him. And in the meantime, he's going to be focused on the issues that face our country and affect our future. That was- I don't know if any other president, and I would love in the comments or tweet me and let me know, has had so much controversy in the first few months of their term. I just feel like it's been one thing after the another from the immigration ban to this. And I'm just like, 
Well, what's this, next? This is what happens when somebody comes in who is not very familiar with the way the law works. Mm. And so what this gives us an opportunity to see is that when the executive branch is compromised and to some degree when the Congress mm-hmm. is compromised, can the judicial branch hold together our democracy? Yeah. Then that's, that's sort of that's the, the task issue. at hand. That is the issue. So we're about to, to find out. And on my show last night, Political Culture... Uh, right here on BHL that I host with Drexel Hurd, we were talking about this concept of special prosecutors mm-hmm. versus independent commissions mm-hmm. because a lot of people have been pushing special prosecutor, special prosecutor. And an interesting article that I came across said, well, be careful what you ask for because a special prosecutor may not be the way to go. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was done with that article, I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I don't want a special well, prosecutor. Let's, let's also give people some backstory because I don't think a lot of people even understand the difference, yep. which I think is the larger issue. Yeah. So a special prosecutor is a basically a, a lawyer, mm-hmm. a, a person who is going to look for crimes. That's the job of a prosecutor is to look for crimes and evidence of crimes. But because they're looking at crimes, there's all these like protections built in for the accused. Silence is a thing. And can I just add in there, the reason why they call them a special prosecutor is because usually they've been brought from an outside entity to investigate a particular issue that's happening in a department. Yes, that's very good clarification and base of knowledge because I totally skipped over that part. So the other (laughs) problem with these special prosecutors is that they can take a really, really long time, Mm -hmm. years. Years. Um, so they're being paid. So, yeah, although uh, Mueller, just before being appointed to this uh, role today, was working for a high-powered mm-hmm. Washington firm. So I'm sure this is actually a pay cut for oh, him. Oh, I'm sure. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that might motivate him to... To move back. Yeah. Uh, but that's the, the kind of things that, that, that worry me. And actually, pr- special prosecutors or at least according to this article that I read in The Atlantic, are supposed to sort of turn away from bad acts or things that have happened outside of the statute of limitations or things that cannot actually be proved. Mm-hmm. And so it can, this investigation could reveal a whole lot of bad things that we should all know about, but unless they're prosecutable crimes, it's unlikely that we would ever hear about them. Mm-hmm. And also that a crime could be very difficult to prove, like... A lot of people are like, oh, Trump is guilty of treason if he's helped Russia. Well, if you look at the letter of the law on what treason is and what it takes to prove treason, it would be really pretty tough. So there, this is... I'm afraid to get my own expectations up because I understand special prosecutors tough to get... to lead to a conviction. Now, people will say the most famous or well-known prosecutor of the modern era would be Ken Starr, who was set to investigate Clinton on something totally different from Monica Lewinsky, but that's where the investigation led, which is another thing that happens with special prosecutors is it leads down to a lot of rabbit rabbit holes. And the problem with those rabbit holes is that maybe those special prosecutors end up going after lesser people. For example, in this case, they could go after Flynn and or Paul Manafort, and them going down would be satisfying, but not as satisfying as Trump himself. But if the prosecutor sort of clings on to, oh, the case against Flynn and Manafort is, is much solid. easier, more solid, they might just let Trump go. So those are my concerns. The Independent Commission, um, 
Drexel took an issue with it because it's not truly independent. There's appointees by the president, mm -hmm. the Congress, or I'm sorry, not just the Congress, but both sides of the aisle. So two-thirds of the commission would be sort of Republican appointed and may not turn up much mm -hmm. in that regard. So either way is kind of tough. But I do think this is a step in the right direction. I'm hopeful, but it's a little bit of a guarded hope. How about you guys? I think it's easy to be hopeful um, just because of his track record and his level of integrity. So I feel like there will be an actual thorough investigation. Um, however, understanding what Trump potentially could be guilty of, I think, is a, is a harder point to prove. And so I don't think anyone in America should be getting excited about us no longer having Trump as a president anytime soon. Um, but I think this goes to, this goes towards what a lot of us already know, and that's we've erred a great deal in judgment in electing him in the first place. Yeah, I, I, I am totally with you. This is going to take much longer than any of us want it to take. It's maybe less satisfying in the end than we want it to be. Um, but I mean, I, I, I guess we're, we're about to see the strength of, uh, of the judiciary to we may be surprised. hold together he, our democracy. I mean, there could be some smoking guns. We don't know. This could be wrapped up in a month. We don't know. Yeah. And think we just have to be mindful that he could do something crazy tomorrow. That's so, true too. One day at a time. I mean, it could be that this takes so long that 2018 comes around and control of the Congress is switched, mm -hmm. and he ends up getting impeached oh, before yeah. this is. I mean, if Maxine has anything over. to do with it, <laughs> Maxine, Maxine Waters—is that who you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what comes up for you in all of this madness? No, I would say the same thing. I think it's good that they're um, appointing someone who seems to be respected on both sides of the aisle. At least it gives some level of comfort to the public that there's going to be a level of independence uh, in the investigation. Right. So that's there. Do I think that it will lead to anything? I think at best we're going to get that some practices were concerning. Mm -hmm. And then I think that's going to be the end of the conversation. So I, oh. like you, don't get my hopes up. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, there was um, another very interesting story uh, that was originally gonna, going to lead this, uh, this show today, which I thought we could spend forever on because it was so fascinating. I couldn't believe that this happened. But heading into trial, Bill Cosby, of all people, decides to speak out. And not just, like, release a tweet or a statement. This was, like, a half-hour-long conversation. Mm-hmm. With um, with Michael Smirkanish, who this was, um, I listened to him on Sirius, Sirius X, X, um, on, on POTUS, and I think he's amazing. And this uh, this interview was unbelievable that it happened in the first place. Now there were some questions that Bill Cosby was like, uh, "My lawyers say don't answer that," but what do you think the lawyers were thinking in allowing him to do this in the first place? I kind of looked at it from a logical standpoint of if I was in his shoes, I think they've been very um, diligent about not allowing him to speak out. And I feel like anyone who's in a situation like that, you want to speak out. There's so much stuff that's out there right now that you want to correct or, you know, maybe just allow your fans or the public in general to just get your side of it outside of the courtroom. So I understood his rationale for wanting to do it. Um, of course, I thought the timing was very off-putting, but I mean, because we're like, I think it's, I think it's coming off of 
you know, that he also did a private interview with his daughter prior to, and I think that kind of put him a little bit at ease or, you know, maybe made him think like, oh, there's, there's actual questions that I really do want to answer to the public. So I don't know what his reasonings were. Um, a part of me thought it was very strategic, and so it was kind of hard to really take it serious. Yeah. And he said as much in uh, in that interview that, um, you know, he's had at least his daughter speak on his behalf and stand by him that he kind of wanted to return the favor, mm -hmm. you know, of sorts and, and, and be able to speak out on his own behalf or at least acknowledge the um, his appreciation for the support of his daughters. I mean, but as you said in the interview, he didn't really divulge much about the, uh, the case in and of itself. He more so talked about... Um, you know, his feelings uh, and, you know, what he wants to be remembered for, what's his legacy, yeah. you know, does he think race was an issue in terms of right. this? So it wasn't yeah. really, he didn't really shed any additional light on the case in well, and of itself, but he did shed some light just on his, on there, his thought process There was process a couple of things state. about this, the case that did come up, but a couple of other things that were interesting to me. The way that he spoke um, was like uh, almost like very disconnected, roundabout, very confused talking in circles and I I don't know whether that's him by personality or him by age or him right. by nervousness and then and my thought was I couldn't really put my finger on it I was like is it just old age but I had to remember that me growing up and having any knowledge of Bill Cosby was always him in an acting role and so I've never listened to an interview or seen him on, yeah. you know, TV outside of that to be able to piece it together and say, oh, okay, yeah, there's a big difference. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I couldn't call it. Now, one other interesting thing is that he is legally blind. Legally I, but that, that was something that has been, I think, out there for a little he bit. He said he, he's known a long time for yeah. the glaucoma. I did not know that he was, he was legally blind. But as for the case itself, something interesting that he has come out with is the fact that he is not going to testify on his own behalf in his defense in the case that's coming up. Gosh, I don't know. It's like a month or two. It is the only criminal case that's been brought uh, against him uh, for these this sexual improprieties, we shall call it. Um, you know, a jury is not allowed to read into his decision to not take the stand. But do you read into it at all? I don't read into it. Um, because going back to what I was saying about his like roundabout answers <laughs> and him kind of sounding aloof, it to me it made it reminded me of talking to my grandmother and how that's kind of at her age, like how she tells stories and it it's, can be really confusing. And so I was like, okay, from that standpoint, I could see his counsel not wanting to put him on the stand because that could, even if he was telling the truth, um, could really confuse a jury. And on top of that, if he goes onto the stand and he starts kind of maybe rambling or he gets kind of off off track from what his lawyers have guided him to say or like topics to stay away from, the moment that he introduces something on the stand, that opens up the door for uh, prosecutors to then mm -hmm. explore probe. explore that even more and probe more. And, and so I think part of his his concern, and I'm sure his lawyer's concerns, are what if he makes a misstep, mm -hmm. opens the door to some area that we didn't want, or some area of his life or some aspect of his history that we didn't want open, um, and now we have to kind of scramble to, mm -hmm. to, cover our, yeah, right. to address that. Yeah, and I think bases. he kind of did mention something to that mm -hmm. um, he effect. Yeah. So I, uh, I also found it interesting when Michael Smirkanish asked him, what do you make of the sheer number of women 
who have accused you of improprieties. Do you remember? I had answer? an issue with that, and I don't remember what his answer is. But from day twenty-eight, I've had an issue with the amount of women. His answer, and you know, this all depends on whether I understood him correctly, was that there are so many women because the first few women weren't enough. Um, I know that doesn't make complete and total sense, but what I'm gathering he meant by that is that this was some sort of plan to take him down, and when the first batch of women weren't enough to do it, there were more thrown on top in order to get the job done. To me, it kind of seemed like, I don't know if everyone kind of watched this original news story at once and all called a hotline, or if they were sought out by a private investigator, because it was very odd. Um, and I think it, for me, it was really, really hard. I could care less. A lot of people say, well, you know, 20 women can't all be lying. And I'm like, well, let's pause for a second. I think you have to take into account how long ago these allegations may have happened. And I think some people are very, and I don't mean to sound crass at all, and I don't take it away from anyone who has ever been a victim of sexual assault or rape, but I think with so many years compounded, not that you would forget something like that, but if you know that you were out drinking with Bill Cosby and you know for sure that you guys had sex and you're hearing all these other people say that it wasn't consensual, it could start playing with your mind like, Hell, I had sex with him too. Maybe it wasn't consensual and I need to come forward too. Is how I began to look at the later number of women that kind of came out. Hmm. And so to me, it was more so like, is he guilty of having sex with you? I think for sure. Is he guilty of that not being consensual? I don't know if I believe that part. Even with the introduction of you know, drugs and things being used. I'm thinking about the time period that that was, and I'm wondering who wasn't on drugs. <laughs> oh. I'm just being honest. No, but I think like, that's true. Have you ever been to a Hollywood party? I think every single person there is on some heavy, heavy drugs. Well, you've been going to some more fun parties than I've been going <laughs> well, to. Well, no, I'm just, I'm just being, I'm being honest. And like, I think at the time it wasn't unusual uh, in you know yeah. entertainment circles, Hollywood circles, what have you. Uh, and I think it's understood that at that point in time, quaaludes were not some unusual, unheard of drug. I think they were somewhat common. And, and from my understanding, like, because I talked not, to... Were any of us alive during that time? No, 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 no but, no, but I like to from, talk I mean, to look older at Wolf generations. Of Wall Street. <laughs> Maybe Thank I'm getting you. all of my information from Hollywood films. Me too. But, but no, I think it's understood that at least at that time, it wasn't necessarily, and I'm sure in present day, it's not unusual to have drugs being used in, in parties. Not that that excuses any behavior. No, no, no. And, and I want to make sure that I'm stating that I don't think it excuses the behavior, but I think when everyone in the room has had a little too much, memory gets a little bit hazy. Okay. Is all I'm going to say, and I think I've, I've been very clear on that from the beginning of the first um, accusation. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Absolutely. And, it, and it's hard to say, as you said, it, you know, you never know what, only two people know what happened in any of those individual instances with Bill Cosby. You have the alleged victim and you have Bill Cosby who 
will know the truth of what happened. But I think as you do have more and more people coming out with their story, for those whom you know truly were victims, um, it, it might put you at ease knowing that there are other people who had this happen to them. You're now a part of a community. You're not like some isolated person who might be then kind of shamed mm-hmm. or victim blamed. Why did you put yourself in that position in the first place? So I think it gives some people a certain level of comfort to come out. But well- I know that that's true for a fact because I um, I spoke with Lisa Bloom, the attorney who represented Wendy Walsh, the woman who accused Bill O'Reilly of sexual harassment and which ultimately led to his being fired. And Lisa also represents uh, Bill Cosby um, accusers. The thing that was interesting to me in hearing Lisa tell me the story was that re- that in her experience, women really do feel better about coming out when they know they're not alone. Hmm. And so that's how she was able to find other Bill O'Reilly accusers was because it became publicly known that she represented at least one, Wendy Walsh, and that helped other women come forward. And then it helped Wendy feel more comfortable telling her story. I don't know if the exact same thing is going on in the Bill Cosby case, but it does seem to be a, a, a thing that women are more willing to come forward when they know that their story is shared by other women. Yeah. And I, but I do want to also include the fact as well that there are opportunists out there. So as many people who may have you know, truly been victims of rape of Bill, you know, rape by Bill Cosby, I think there are also people out there who will jump on a bandwagon and say... You know, it's it is he said she said so maybe I can like see if I can get my fifteen minutes of fame which, or get myself a little quick settlement, which goes to show and I that think that's like, a very very real issue for a lot of celebrities. I think that's what's hard to for this story for me at least because even if he's convicted of uh, crimes against Andrea Constant, which is what this case is about, and it's not it doesn't include cases against by uh, other accusers, a conviction in that case doesn't mean a conviction and the rest of the cases. Mm-hmm. So that'll some, be something that we all have to be mindful of, is that this right, but trial is about this will, one victim. The stigma victim. will stick. And unfortunately, even if he's found not guilty, the stigma is still there, regardless. And that's really, really unfortunate. I mean, there we've all seen cases where young women have come out and accused a high-name a high person of rape. They've been, you know, exonerated and still can't actually perform to their to the level that they were prior to. Yeah, one of the things uh, that Bill Cosby was really annoyed about in this interview was the fact that he has tried to do shows, and the places where he's tried to do those shows have been boycotted until they disinvite him mm-hmm. from performing there, and he thinks that that is utterly unfair, not even just to him, but to the venues that are offering to host the events that he wants to sell tickets for. So... I mean, if I if I were him, I would spend money trying to disprove their fact because then at that point it's defamation, and I would do I would sue each and every one of them as co-defendants. But how mm. do you do that, though? I'm saying he has the resources. Figure it out. I mean, <laughs> I, I, to me, I look at it like how this. do you prove as, that something never happened? If how do you prove something happened? Well, you can. You can prove that <laughs> things you. happen, but it's harder I to think prove. It, I, I think, think it's, it's harder to prove that something did, did I not think, happen. I actually think it's harder to prove that something did happen. 
Hmm. I mean, at least, like, if you're talking rape, at least you can, Because I remember, you know. I remember, like, one of the early stories, he, like, when it first, first happened, he was like, I wasn't even in the vicinity like of that Playboy location. Mansion yeah, at like the that. time, like, he was somewhere totally different doing a show. So I feel like it's little things like that that it, it is easy to disprove. All right, well, we'll see if he's able to disprove what, or... But I do he's feel, not, he's I do to, feel bad for the simple fact that I, I... As an attorney, and I think as a lover of our judicial system, I am a fond of the innocent until proven guilty. But unfortunately, that does not have any type of weight in public opinion. Yeah. And I think that's what's unfortunate about the society that we live in now that's so, you know, social media and internet driven. Like, once something's out there, that stains your reputation forever. And so my thing is, he hasn't had his day in court yet. And he's already lost a ton in just opportunities. Yeah, fair point. All right. Let's now if he's guilty. <laughs> <laughs> All bets are off. All right. Um, this was an interesting lawsuit. Um, a, a, a former chef of Sean... I, I can't. I can't even. Diddy. Calls? Diddy. I, the, I just can't even say the word. I Puppy, feel so Sean, silly, like Sean saying, comes? like I don't, I don't. What are we calling him these days? I, I'm Diddy not, these days. I think Diddy he's Diddy that's what current, Diddy's right? revived. Um, whatever Diddy, his name Diddy may be. Retired Diddy for a little bit. Yes, and then it okay. was something Sorry. possible. Anyway, Diddy Daddy money or yeah. something like that. <laughs> Yikes. Okay, so he's being sued by a former chef for some pretty serious claims, and they're like a bunch of them. Uh, sexual harassment, quid pro quo sexual harassment, hostile work environment, failure to prevent harassment and retaliation, violation of whistleblower protection, uh, wrongful discharge, or, or basically wrongful termination, retaliation, defamation, intentional infliction of emotional distress, negligent infliction of emotional distress, failure to pay overtime wages, and, and other so things. And so on and so forth. Yeah. Et so, cetera, et cetera. Uh, what, what, your face is like, I can't even take the list of all these. Okay, so... I Because here's the thing. I have a really hard time when... I have a hard time when it when you hear of cases like this that you the, the person had no thought of suing until they were let go. And well, so if you read my, the complaint, it I is because d- because she kept track of these hours. She was told to keep track of these hours by Stacy, friend, the the manager, whatever, right? And expected that at some point she was going to be reimbursed for the overtime hours. And then when she was told that she right, wasn't but it going was to it be, was a it was a quite a bit of time that she waited before she felt like she wasn't ever going to get paid. Now I don't know about you guys, but I have a good. 30 to 60 day mark of when it's acceptable not to be paid. Well, but she was being paid her regular No, 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 no. but I'm saying even salary. what I'm owed. I think anybody would it would give you a reasonable 30 to 60 days before you start questioning if you're going to receive this overtime money. I think it's hard to say. I, I understand what you're saying. I think, you know, as you mentioned, she was told keep track of it, and she kept track of it, and then she was at one point let go, and I think that there's a trigger moment for that woman. Now, Maybe the, it might be the different real, for you. The, the, in her complaint, as she explains, while she was let go, made a whole hell of a lot of sense to me. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I understand. It sounds like a huge, like, miscommunication, but I can see why she was let go. She was okay. saying that, that it was pretext. She said that she was basically framed into being given that watch 
so that Diddy could later come back and say, you stole from me, I'm firing you. That yes. was pretext, not... In retaliation for complaining about sexual harassment. The basis of the sexual harassment But she's claims, also very open at the fact that she was sleeping with him. Oh, no, I, I didn't that understand that. Maybe I misread her, because <laughs> as I was reading it, I was just like... I don't so think she was having is... sex with them. I think she was saying that they kept asking her to prepare meals for like Diddy during and, and during after, after sex. sex. No, after Diddy had his exploits or Diddy's house guests had their exploits with people in the house. Okay, I may then, have misread. I thought these exploits were with her. No, and I so was they like, would well, then, girl, like they would then come to the kitchen and say, "Make me a sandwich, make me whatever." Right. Oh, by the way, admire my genitals while you do so. Yes, and she was saying that contributed to a hostile work environment. That Diddy himself asked. I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I used that name. That he himself asked her, "Do you like my naked body?" That's alleged in the in the complaint. Um, is is that? I, I, Yikes. Um, I, I can imagine some people saying, you're working for Sean P. Diddy Combs. What did you think you were signing yourself up for? That's I, how I feel about it. I feel like, you. first off, you, you took the employment. And you knew that he's living a celebrity lifestyle. I don't know. Maybe Cindy Rada didn't know. She, he's just some rich guy who's but looking I think for a that chef. After, you because know, you after don't know when you get hired who the celebrity is if they have somebody else doing the hiring I think after a certain point in time, if you're uncomfortable with it, you leave. This lady was clearly uncomfortable with it, but she never left. She actually waited until she was fired. That's what makes it hard for me when I hear cases like this. I'm like... She states that this had had been happening for quite, like, during the majority of the duration of her employment. Not only that uh, they were, you know, kind of creating a hostile work environment by asking her to cook food or appearing naked, but also the fact that she was getting paid $150 a day. Okay, well, why are you agreeing to get paid $150 a day when you're working 13-hour days or 15-hour days, I think she mentioned? You know, she wasn't getting paid for travel, for example, things like that. So... For me, the question is kind of, why did you stay in this, this level of employment what for so long? Every and I have defense a, attorney. I have a really, really hard time believing she wasn't being paid for travel. Okay. I mean, I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they were paying for her travel, i.e. Right, they're paying for the right. flights, they're paying for her, her hotel, um, and they're paying her her per diem, but I don't know that she was getting paid for, say, the, the time. Let's say you're asking but me to my fly to was, China. If you have a, if are you, you have paying a me for those rate, 12 hours? But my that's thought is if you, have a, if you have a day rate and I'm being paid for that day regardless of being on a flight or cooking for you, it's still my day rate. You right. Know? So she, like, she's that's saying... Just like, that's just like if I'm an hourly employee and I get to the airport at 4 and it's a 4-hour flight, I'm going to bill you for those 4 hours even though I'm not technically working. So if she has a flat day rate and she's getting that, I was just like, girl, you, you lost me. She lost me on page two. But. <laughs> all right. Well, I don't know. I hear all the time when I w- was doing depositions from defense attorneys, you know, my cases were work comp cases, and the questions all the time, either explicitly to the applicant or telling to me, if he or she really was that injured, why didn't they quit? Why did they keep working? Right. You guys, 
I know that we may be in the situation where we're comfortable to jump ship and go from one job to the next, but many people are afraid to do that. Many people can't afford sort of the time in between gigs or what they may lose an apartment or something well, in between finding thought. a new job. It isn't that easy well, no, for people easy, to get new easy. jobs. This is, this is my whole point. Clearly, you felt like you had a case because you had been logging this information for quite some time. My issue is if you knew that at point one, outside of the firing and the whole watch situation, that you were preparing a case to sue, it shouldn't have taken the watch situation and you getting fired for that to happen. Well, is, is my is my only some people issue with are the willing, whole situation? I, and I, I so you weren't going to sue him if he still had you employed and you would have got your overtime. The, so you were cool with the sexual the the misconduct. Well, there so are different levels have, of what people are willing to put up with for a job, and at some point, it's just too much. It's not worth it to and them. I think it wasn't also, worth it until she got fired. So I think that's a that's, concern. But another piece is if you're trying to establish that something was a hostile work environment, one of the pieces of it is how frequently was this happening? Mm-hmm. If there was only one, you know, isolated incidents, two isolated incidents, that might not be enough for her to to really make a claim mm-hmm. versus, okay, now over the course of a year and a half I've worked here, I can demonstrate there was a certain level of frequency. I can yeah. demonstrate that, you she know, did only work there like a year and a half. I think she was hired in January of 2015 and was let go in May of 2016. So if she would have done it earlier, it would have been it, it might, like She not might not have been case. able to make a, a stronger case. I mean, in terms of, if the more egregious the harassment is, I think the, the less frequency it needs to have. But to the extent that it's somewhat of a more mild minor unwanted advance that's taking place, you might need to show more instances. I may be a jaded person, but I I see opportunist and I see you trying to get a payday from someone who you know would nine times out of ten probably settle and you're never going to have to actually prove any of these allegations and that's what I see and I find that to be really frustrating because I... I, 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 okay, I hear you. Now, I, I, I will say that just my own um, experience, seven years work comp lawyer, people are willing to put up with a lot when to, in order to hold on to a job, much more than I would personally be willing to put up with. And it could have been an exciting with. job. You're working for Diddy. You, maybe you're there. You're seeing celebrities on a regular basis but, and, and so forth. But, but you know, and I'm going to play devil's advocate to my own thing where you're like, you were a chef to Diddy. What did you think you were signing yourself for? Uh, yourself up for is not a defense. And if these events really did happen, that is wrong. And To me, that's like working at a strip club and then suing them because you... There were too many naked people around that, you. Well, is really my thought. So if I disagree. can't sue, no, that that's that. Seriously, Diddy has had entire television shows that have documented his parties, how he lives his life. So for me, I I have a, I have a really hard time believing that you did not understand what you were signing up for because all of us have seen it. It has been broadcast on MTV, VH1, BET, like. Any, you could just do a quick search of, oh, okay, that is I've, ex- I've made it through. I can't tell I've you how many through. people, chefs included, because I've represented many chefs, people making $150 a day, Dominique. This is a different, some kind of... All I'm saying is that even if she didn't understand at first when she went to interview one who she was working for, at some point when it was when the offer was extended and they said, you will be working for Diddy, a 
Even if I was going to work at Microsoft and I knew nothing about Microsoft, I'm going to do a quick search. Culture I cannot, at Microsoft. I can't tell you how it, the it, research and, and your employer and all that does not occur to a large segment of the population, and the law does not require that we research our employers before agreeing to work for them. So it doesn't it, right it, so it doesn't require research but they are going to analyze whether was this environment hostile uh, you know And there's not a special was it ditty standard it is no, no, a no, no, general no, 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 standard no. is it there okay is to run around but naked there's in front also of a standard for the type of work that you do is is all I'm saying I understand your point in terms of yes working at a strip club and then saying no there's just, there's too much you know sexual act, you know energy here. I, 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 I agree with yeah, you. I, I do think that there is a discernible difference between working for an individual in their home, this was his home here in LA, and a strip club. I don't think you're signing up for the same things, although I, you know, maybe there should have been uh, an agreement as to what she was willing to put up with, and she would need to have been compensated. Well, for and, that. and, 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 and that's, that's the one thing that I I'm always very very surprised at these celebrities because you guys have counsel on speed dial. Why wasn't this something that was completely outlined because, prior to her starting well, work? I think even absent the 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 sexual harassment claims, why aren't you meeting you know minimum wage laws? Because I don't. Right. I, I mean, I I just don't know that she's Look, making. They just—it's not that—it's just not that much of a concern to them. You know, they have so many employees um, that you know. It's just the same employees at the the same way that celebrities need to pay attention to the people that are in charge of filing their taxes. You need to pay attention to the employees that are brought in your staff and make sure that they understand what they're signing up for. If not, you're going to end up in situations like Diddy finds himself in and being sued for the work environment that you provide. Point blank. Let's move on. And in this case, I think <laughs> I think in terms of you know being due pay, due paid overtime, I think that's that's one thing that might actually be a fair claim for her. Me too. Terms, I think that made t- sense. In terms of the hostile environment, I think that's something that again it depends Should on the, it depends on the frequency and kind of what the nature of the work environment was and who who was making her uncomfortable. Was it just other house guests that were doing it? Because that's a different thing than if you are you know, boss might be doing it or if your boss was not aware of it. The thing that um, is actually interesting to me, and I don't know how they're getting away with this, um, these inflection of emotional distress and all that, if this was her employer and she was injured, her her recourse is a workers' comp claim. Right. Um, In California, you you can't just decide, oh, I want to sue for work comp or I Mm want to sue civilly. If you get injured while working for an employer, your recourse is work comp only. only. Yeah. So some of these are, are claiming injuries. And mm-hmm. work comp covers physical and mental emotional mm-hmm. injuries. And so for those kinds of injuries, I don't think that she will um, prevail. Uh, she, what may happen is that she was saying that she was exempted. She was called an independent contractor and therefore out of work comp. But... In the state of California, somebody that is pretty easily called an employee mm-hmm. rather than an independent yeah. contractor. So that that's probably where some of that is going to hit some hiccups. But interesting case, nevertheless. Both of you made some really awesome points that I had not thought of. Let's talk about, and I hope we don't, we're on the verge of running out of time. we got to talk fast. Lee Baca was sentenced. Finally. Three years. <laughs> not surprised. Is this justice? 
It's better than nothing. Okay. You said talk fast. I, I think that's <laughs> Bullet right. Points. I think that's right. You know, this was a, an instance where he in, initially tried to take a plea deal mm-hmm. for uh, making false statements to federal federal investigators. This, the judge threw that out. Yeah. Said, "No, I'm not accepting that plea deal because this is a serious yeah. uh, infraction that he did, and he, you know, I'm not I'm not accepting it." Um, and so here we go. And, and that with that plea deal, he would have gotten basically between zero and six months. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so in this case, he's getting he's getting um, he's got a three year sentence. Mm-hmm. And so it does show that you know we are trying to um, not not necessarily throw the book at individuals because he could have gotten more time, um, but you know show that this is not acceptable behavior mm-hmm. of our public officials. Yeah. So he was convicted of obstructing justice in a uh, an FBI investigation that was looking into corruption in the jails and he part of his defense was this whole alzheimer's thing he's 74 years old right now and is in the early stages of alzheimer's and the judge actually allowed that to be a factor in her decision to give him three years uh even though his undersheriff the guy underneath him paul tanaka was sentenced to five years in federal prison i think she i think she was trying to be kind here um, to ensure that he doesn't die in jail. Well, she, according to the uh, her analysis, it was because of the fact that he did do good things he while was a acting public servant as for many, many years. And so, along with the Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's. Uh, his good behavior in public service helped him roll eye roll. Okay, um, and, and and but three years is more than Baca's lawyer had argued for, which was basically house arrest and community service uh, that didn't fly. And, and his justification was that was because of the Alzheimer's. Um, they have medication in jail. Yeah, and he was also fined seventy five hundred dollars. I'm like, really? That's it? I I I know that you know it's not possible, but I mean, the I, city would would or the county would save so much money if they didn't have to pay out his pension. I'm sure. Uh, I feel like that should have been at risk. In my but mind, not. I just kind of assumed that that was going to be taken. I don't believe so. No? No, I don't think so. Huh. I just feel like in a time when it's so frequent that people that um, either have money or are high-ranking officials or are just high-profile individuals, they just get a, a slap on the wrist. I'm glad that he's actually getting some, some jail time. I'm glad and, that and he's actually going to serve nothing. Yeah. yeah. It'll be very interesting to see how he's going to be treated in that jail. That's what I'm That's what I'm in. interested to hear about. That could be a great reality I wanted to know TV where, show. Where is he going to be? I really want to know jailed? where is he going to be. Mm-hmm. Because it's three years, he's not, ideally, he's probably not going to be in solitary for, for Well, three I wondered years. if they're going to put him in solitary because, you know, to protect him. I don't know that anyone could last in solitary for three years. That just seems know. like, I mean, usually when somebody like him goes to jail, it's usually like a slap on the wrist and it's like maybe like three to six months. And I think think you could probably talk three, it out for three, three years is a, a, three a, long years time, a long time but i'm curious to know where he's where he's going to go right. because I mean, they could been, be going to the resort jail they, well there there are instances where people who have money they pay a certain amount to be put in and maybe this is a topic oh, we they can ask, cover on another yeah. show is that they they choose where their it's jail is and they pay a choice. And, and and jails will accept that they do jail, jails will accept your Payment well, it's a, it's to a petition be, to the judge, and you uh, put you put there. through to the judge like you're. It's kind of like a lottery pick. Like, can I go to these three places? And it's up to the judge to to grant your request. And judges don't always say yes. 
Well, if he's going to do that, he's got to do it by July 25th. Because that's, that's when he reports. Yes, it is. <laughs> However, that 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 should have that request should have gone in like immediately after sentencing. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Jeff Sessions, the our favorite, our, our attorney general, and I feel like I need to add in here. Earlier on the show, at the very beginning, I said acting attorney general Rob. Rosenstein, and that might confuse you if you think the Attorney General is Jeff Sessions. The Attorney General is Jeff Sessions, except when all things related to Russia, he has recused himself because we came to find out that he had inappropriate contact. Um, There's a lot going on in the White House, guys. So this just so when I said acting Attorney General Rob Rosenstein, and that's because it when it comes to Russian affairs. Okay, soon we may need a diagram, right? Uh, Yeah, we'll have to work on that. Seriously. And this was Jeff Sessions' um, announcement uh, within the past week to restore the harsh adherence to mandatory minimums, harsh crackdowns, harsh sentencing, is one of the very things that I feared about him being named attorney general. Uh, And that fear has come to pass. Mm -hmm. And in a innocuous sounding memo, it says, you guys better do this. If you don't stick to this, there better be damn good reason why. And you better explain that and you better get uh, permission from a supervisor or another attorney about being lenient and not following the letter of the law exactly. What do you guys think? It, it reminded me the level of power that session has. And I... I think I had to like kind of like take a seat back because I think I I forgot. I, you know, you you think that this individual can't do that much damage. Yeah. And having this year, you know, seen the thirteen document documentary on um, Netflix and just understanding how mandatory minimums have incarcerated so many um, for minor. Um, Offenses, offenses, yeah. it, but they think are very serious. That they or think dangerous. are very serious, and it's it's one of those things where I'm not trying to say that drugs aren't a, a major issue, but I just don't think that mandatory minimums is the way to to combat that. Well, it's just been shown that it doesn't work to do anything that the justice system is supposed to do. It doesn't help with recidivism. It damages communities, damages families. It's not. It's just not, it's expensive and costly, and it doesn't prevent further drug use. Well, and, what bothered and, me was there was really no rationale for why he felt like we needed to go back to mandatory. Well, he's minimum. under the impression that we are in the midst of an explosion in crime. But I, I, I want to see data. Well, so There is he, none. Well, right. Because we're even, in a blip, even, and he even, thinks it's an explosion. Even absent the explosion, there are also prosecutors who say that we need to have uh, the ability to use mandatory minimums. Because that that helps us when we're trying to get plea deals. That helps us when we're trying to get guilty uh, plea deals. Were another really great thing talked about in Thirteenth, which is why I recommend if you haven't seen that to watch that tonight. You know, Eric Holder has been very very vocal about the fact that you know when when the Obama administration and and the Justice Department under uh, the Obama administration said you know we're not going after mandatory minimums. um, You know, at least particularly when the the crimes are nonviolent or they're not related to to a certain cartel. That it actually didn't show any um, 
any effect on being able to obtain plea deals. It mm -hmm. didn't show any negative impact on receiving cooperation uh, from individuals, that they were still able to reduce the number of uh, cases requiring mandatory minimums while still increasing their number of um, prosecutions on high-level cases. So Eric Holder's position is that, you know, that that's not a, a good argument, prosecutors, when right. you say that, oh, this is affecting our ability to do our work. He's saying that, you know, the data doesn't reflect that. Which, again, gets back to my point of I want to know what data he's looking at. Because to me, it just doesn't, it well, doesn't make sense. Because the data shows that crime is, is, uh, is up slightly. Right, right, right. But he's just taking it to mean that it's the beginning of an upward trend, whereas most reasonable people see, believe that it is just a small bump. That's what I think the difference is. Okay. Oh, no, so I was going to say basically the Justice Department is now going to be spending, if, if that's the case and, and we're going to kind of hire more mandatory minimums and uh, prosecuting on the highest possible offenses, what that means is that the Justice Department is going to be spending a large portion of its budget on incarceration mm -hmm. as they continue to increase uh, the, the number of people in the jails, and they're not going to be uh, spending that same money on investigation and, mm -hmm. um, you know, Crime prevention and, and crime deterrence, so or police training because crime you know, crime Jeff doesn't care about that. I know. Okay, so we we probably only have time for one more story, and we can either cover the legal battle over tattoos on celebrities and athletes, or the story about a man's genitalia being used in his defense at a murder trial. Um, I'm not familiar with the murder trial, with the uh, genitalia okay. case. All so. right. Well, we're going to save that for next week <laughs> for when Shock is back because I think that a man's opinion on that uh, would be pretty pertinent. Yeah. So let's talk about the, 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 the situation in which a celebrity had, or the, the most common uh, example that occurs to my mind an athlete, professional athlete, has tattoos on them, and they are shown on TV. And the tattoo artist says, that's my copyrighted work. You have to license from me in order to show that tattoo on TV. So I, I actually covered this, this, this case when it, was first, um, when it first came out about last summer. Um, and it, it's, it's not necessarily about them being on TV. The, the issue that the owner of the copyright for the tattoos had... Solid Oak Sketches. Yeah. Um, was more Video so more, Was more so the fact that it was fixated on, a, on the cover was the main point of issue that he had. The cover of so what? So LeBron... The main tattoo that LeBron has on his arm um, is one of the tattoos that the artist um, designed and affixed, of course, to LeBron's body. It is prominent on the cover of the of NBA the main. 2K. Thank you of the video game itself, and it's like the first image that you see as soon as the game begins to upload. And then he cited the other tattoos that are also affixed on other players in the game. And so his point was, um, they didn't even seek to get a release or a licensing from him um, when they fixated the artwork on the video game cover interesting when the when the case originally came out i think that 
the issue was more so the fact that he was frustrated that he tried to reach out to them and they weren't responding to any of his um, letters. And that's when he went out to get an attorney. And because their defense is, this is just fair use, it's de minimis use, it's irrelevant, it's so And they're portraying so what, it, what, what, the, what the guys look like in real life, these and basketball the, What's players. really interesting about this case is that we really don't have any solid case... Uh, law on the the rights of a tattoo artist over their work. Well, it's right. interesting because they do own a technical, uh, an actual legal copyright. Because right, copyright their work law is anything tangible protects um, original works of expression fixed in a tangible medium. But which there a tattoo are, qualifies but there for. are there. It, it isn't just uh, you know blanket protection. I mean, there are fair use arguments. There are defenses to copyright infringement. And so what uh, Take Two is saying is that, no, this is a fair use. We're making a de minimis use. It's just, you know, Minor. We're, we're, we're reflecting what the real life players look like. Uh, we're not well, they might say they're not using it in a commercial manner, which is, which you know, up for de- which is, right, uh, debatable. But it's not prominent. They're not affecting the market for tattoos. I mean, there's a whole uh, prong test. What was the purpose of the use? Was it commercial? Was it educational? In this case, you know, you might argue that it was commercial. Right. You know, w- it was the work more so artistic. That's going to get you more protection if versus something that's more factual, like, a, you know, phone number lists or something that's just facts. Um, and how much of it was taken in this case? Maybe, I don't know how much was fe- featured on the cover, but was it's the, the whole, whole thing. Yeah, it's the whole thing. Featured? Well, that might weigh in favor of the tattoo artist. Um, and then one of the last pieces that they look at is what is the effect of, on the market? Does this affect the value of what his tattoos are? I, I say no. They don't really actually make it go up. I actually, I actually disagree. I, to to my to my thought process on it was when and I'm I'm using LeBron because I feel like his tattoos were the most prominent that are used um, out of the athletes that he listed. Um, I don't personally think he has a good case for the other four athletes that are used um, in the game. Um, but my thought process on LeBron's is that when you see LeBron in action on court or if he's, you know, snapped a picture for a Sports Illustrated, it's not his arm that it is prominent in any of those options. Even in a game, it's, it's live face. action, and it's really hard to zero in on exactly the design work of the tattoo. The tattoo being covered in great detail, because it's very, very detailed, um, which kudos to you guys for making good video games and artwork, but it's so detailed to the point that I feel like it would be easy for someone to reproduce it by going to another tattoo artist and saying, hey, give me this same tattoo. Whereas if it wasn't fixated in the way that it is on the cover, for example, I think it would be harder to do. But I don't think that's a really a... a, a does I don't think that that weighs in the analysis the fact that it is I think it diminishes that it, that it, I, I, that it, I think you're it, saying I that think it goes it to the argument of diminishing copy, his work that it enables others to copy it and therefore they're going to some other tattoo artist saying give me this work um, and, and maybe this is going to cheaper artist the value mm-hmm. of it yeah. I think it does okay because this man actually point. charges like a, a crap ton of money to tattoo these guys all right well you make some fair points. I still think that the tattoo artist has a massive uphill battle. And that if if he if he wins, the NBA and all will not allow players to have tattoos well, or they, that used they must to, be totally but let's, covered. Let's pause for a second. That used to be the case. They used to have to be covered. 
Well, we may go back to that if this guy, if the tattoo artist wins. Okay, we <laughs> must wrap right now unless somebody is dying to say something because I've cut you off. I will just say that normally in these cases, because they actually, it's not that it's there's just no case law. They normally are settled outside of court. Yes. And I think that that's what this artist was Right, that's for. why, you know, because we had heard of the well, Mike Tyson tattoo mm-hmm. on the face of the guy from Hangover being an issue. That case was settled, so we don't know what came out. And there but, are three other cases. And so the software company settled. wants a court to at least address the issue and say yes. this is okay or this is fair use so that they because they have other games coming yes. out so I don't know if yes. anybody could hear us anymore Sorry. because they are they are kicking us out uh, lovingly kicking us out because it is time to go but thank you so much for joining us on Justice is Served come back next week for more bye from executives Kevin Undergaro Dario Christian Tiana Hobson and the entire BHL staff we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live. Tip me, Instagram at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood, Hollywood redefined. views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.